Welcome to Mosaics, a podcast featuring the vibrant and diverse stories of refugee resettlement in Idaho. I'm your host, Holly Beach, with the Idaho Office for Refugees. Today, I'm here with two special guests to talk about an upcoming uh, education four-part series for local teachers and educators. I'm here with Chantal Neonguru and with Sarah Skinner. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So a bit of background about our guest today. Chantal is the REACH Youth Program Specialist at the Idaho Office for Refugees, so I get to work closely with her there. She has a bachelor's in social work from Boise State. And as a first graduate in her family, Chantal is determined to inspire and empower young adults to dream big and to not be confined. Chantal was born in East Africa and resettled in Idaho at the age of eight. Sarah is a facilitator, a trainer, and a consultant. She has a master's in public health and specializes in creating workshops and meetings that are transformative for the people involved and for the communities where they live and work. Her background is in community-based public health, and she brings cross-cultural experience from her work with farm workers, refugees, and other immigrants, and from her time living in Spain and Brazil. So I'm honored to have you both on the show. Thank you for coming to talk about the education series that you put on together. And just give us an idea of how long you've been doing this together and what audiences you've had and and you've traveled, correct, to also present. So give us a little bit of idea of the scope of this training that you've been working on. So we started, this was a project that came out of the Neighbors United Refugee Collaborative, which is a network of different organizations here in the Treasure Valley that want to make uh, the Treasure Valley more welcoming for refugees. It started with um, a man named George Safari, who, um, together with other members of Neighbors United, was interested in putting together a workshop for teachers. And um, George reached out to me and said, hey, I've got personal stories to share, I, um, but we don't really have anyone who would be interested in coming up with the framework and how we would share the information. So several of us sat down um, and worked together with Laura and Nick Armstrong from Glocal and Deb Ryman from Gates of Hope um, and put together a workshop originally for Capital High School. And then it, it was really popular and other schools started asking us if we could come to them. And so on one of those early workshops, uh, one of my co-presenters brought along her new employee, Chantal Nyonkuru, and I spent most of the time on the drive out to Nampa saying, Chantal, tell me more about you, tell me about what you do, and was already like trying to recruit her to co-present with us. <laughs> and so since then, we've presented uh, in Nampa in, a couple of times in Twin Falls and several different locations in Boise as well. And your audience is typically teachers, and you're also branching out into working with law enforcement officials, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've started doing some work with the Ada County Sheriff's Office, um, as well as we've done a couple of workshops for Ada County Extension's 4-H program. Wow. Very cool. Um, Chantal, what are some of the topics that you go over in this training? We talk about Refugee 101. We talk about trauma and like how that interferes with learning. We talk about multilingual learners. How does it feel to like enter a classroom? And then we talk about disruptive behavior, like what might be the roots of this for immigrant students and what can we do about it? We talk about cross-cultural kids and I cover that. I talk about cross-cultural kids and like how my experiences were like here in the US 
And then we talk about family engagement. And yeah, we talk about a lot of great stuff. And I would encourage all of you guys to just come and participate in one of our workshops. So what's something that a kid who has been resettled or their family immigrated here might be experiencing in the classroom that might not be so obvious to the teacher, but once the teacher understands it, they can really help that kid. Do you have any examples of something that you can kind of have an aha moment for that teacher? I think one thing that I learned actually from this workshop as well is trauma does play a huge role because when you are like a new student, you don't speak English. And so I think with just everything else, maybe like the move is stressful and like there have been traumatic events in the past. It's like when you are sitting in the classroom, it's so hard to just focus on one thing. And I know that teachers sometimes can call on a child or a kid to answer a problem. And for some teachers, they might not know like what's going on in that kid's head. Um, So, you know, I think for me, you could not call out, like you could not call me to answer a question in the classroom because it's stressful and it's like I'm thinking about how do I even translate this back into English or what is she even asking me? Or even if I do know the answer, it's like I'm just afraid of like maybe messing up. Um, And so I don't know if teachers realize that kids are like struggling and that they are having a hard time trying to like snap back into reality and like answer a question. And so I think yeah, just being aware of that, like kids might not be able to answer a question when you do call on them. Do you have any ideas of a way a teacher could include that kid without making them feel on the spot? So one of the techniques that we're going to be teaching in the class is called QSSSA. And the idea is that you ask a question and then you give children time to think before they have to say anything. So they, they give you a signal when they're ready to talk. So that's giving the time for the child to like make that tran- that translation in their head. Mm-hmm from English into their language and then come up with an answer. And then you have them talk with another student so they get some practice saying it out loud. And then you go on to um, sharing back. And by the time you, you know, the A is assessing, by the time you call on someone, you've given them a chance to talk to someone else and even borrow that answer from their partner. It's fine if they use their own answer or some other answer that they heard. So you're you're giving a lot of prep time before you get to that point where you're calling on someone. And also just, you know, that really emphasizing you don't have to have your own answer. You can you can get help from the people around you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think group work is definitely, like, for me at least, it worked. Like, if you put us in a group and you ask a question, we talk about it um, by the end of that discussion, I have an idea of like what to answer if I do get called on. So, so group work. Mm-hmm. And Chantel, you work with primarily, I think right now you're working with high school students, correct? And you yes. kind of help create. I know I came to one of your after school programs in the summer and the students were working on stop motion animation with iPads, um, which was really fun to see. And they really shined in this workshop. Some of the artwork was excellent and it didn't require them to answer any questions in English 
Uh, it created a lot of teamwork. So that was a cool example of that group work. When you're working with students, they're not too much younger than you at this point, <laughs> right? You're kind of close to their age, maybe mm-hmm. a few years. Do you find yourself relating to what they're going through, like seeing them and being like, oh, yep, I remember that. Like, do you find moments like that? All the time. <laughs> uh, when I work with uh, high schoolers, they remind me of myself when I was, you know, in their shoes. And so it makes working with them actually easier for me because I understand and I know. And multiple people have told me that, you know, like when I do walk in a room and students notice that I am like them, they do. Um, it's almost like we we break that barrier. They can relate to me. They ask more questions. They are curious um, and they are very comfortable with me. So like when we do work together or like do activities together, they're more receptive. We were walking down that high school hallway after that workshop. I, I felt like I was walking next to a rock star because all the kids <laughs> were like, Chantal, Chantal, hey Chantal. And you've obviously made an impression on them. Yeah. And that was really special to see. I mean, for me, it's I don't it doesn't feel like I'm working when I'm working with the high schoolers. Um, and they just we become friends. Um, and when I am talking to them, I'm not like, hey, you know, I'm the authority figure in here. Like, listen to me. I'm just like, hey, what can we learn together? Let's try this together. Or, you know, like we're just friends. And so we're silly together. And and I guess I think for them that helps them learn as well, because it's like I'm not there to judge them or assess them or be critical. I'm just there to, you know, be their friend and walk alongside them. Something throughout these interviews that I've picked up on a trend is it seems like kids who come through resettlement and then are in the classroom and perhaps maybe the only kid that looks like them or eats like like the food they eat or speaks the language they speak. There seems to be this sense that, oh, I have to prove something. Do you see that? Yeah, I think it's bound to happen. I mean, you enter what feels like a new world Everybody around you look different. Uh, they speak a different language. And so when, especially in a classroom, when you, you know, walk in that first day or second day or whatever, it's always like, oh, my gosh, I need to speak like them or I need to be able to talk like them. I need to have these skills. So for like really any newcomers, I think they're just always trying to prove that they um either belong or that they can do it and that they are worthy, you know? Yeah, so it is very, like, it's it's normal. Um, it's bound to happen because, yeah, it's, that's just the world we live in. People want to feel like they're connected and that they belong and that they can do just the same as you are. Mm. For either of you, this question, what can teachers do to help build that understanding that, that you belong, you're worthy, and maybe help the student process that a little more quickly than maybe they would on their own? I think we, even in the workshops, we talk about maybe incorporating like cultural events at the schools. I think, what do they call it? Like a cultural day, do you know? Mm-hmm. Some schools do, yeah. Yeah, where um, kids can just bring anything from home that they, you know, from their culture and they can share with you know, their classrooms or just celebrate, really. It's like a like a national culture day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, I think that would be, if not all schools are doing it, I think it'd be great for 
for students to be able to like express their like I don't know identity or just uh, celebrate their culture. Like it could be a one day where they can be themselves and they can be from their culture and share with other people. Yeah, yeah, I follow Capital High School's Cultural Club on Instagram, and they're always doing such cool stuff there, like sharing of culture and celebrating. And I love that. It's really fun to see. And they incorporate a lot of food. So that's always a plus, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think um, also even the way um, some schools are decorating their halls and their entranceway, we were at Taft last Tuesday, and when you walk in, even before you push the bell to get in the building, there's like signs that say, welcome, bienvenidos, caribou, you know, many different languages right from the minute you enter. And, um, you know, pictures of children from different backgrounds, pictures of, you know, maps of the world. So just that feeling of like, this is a welcoming space. Mm -hmm. But I was just going to piggyback on what Chantel said earlier that, the same kinds of things that Chantel does with her students in the after-school program, teachers can do with their students in terms of connect, making a personal connection, really like building that relationship to kind of create a caring and warm relationship that says, you know, you're welcome here, you belong here. Um, so I think Chantel models that really well for us, um, but it's something we all can do, even if we're not from the same culture or we don't speak the same language. Um, connecting around, like, I care about you as a person can set that tone of, you know, you belong here. And also, I really like how if you come into, like, the room, it's not I'm here to teach you something. It should be I'm here to learn from you as well. Like, let's learn from each other. Mm. Yeah. That's really powerful, that kind of attitude, like, we're in this together rather than I'm the authority you're yeah. here. I'm going to talk at you for a while, and then you're going to go to your next class. Mm -hmm. What are teachers hungry to learn in these workshops? What have you noticed? I think that teachers are facing a lot of challenges right now. It's been a tough time for teachers over the last 10 years, and so there was already a lot of burnout. And then we had COVID, and now, you know, things keep changing, right? And so for some teachers, it's very um, they're really hungry to understand the background of these students. So, you know, in some teacher education programs, you might learn about um, teaching students with an immigrant background, but in some you don't. And so we found that it's really helpful for teachers to understand the refugee journey better. And so we bring in speakers who can talk about their personal experiences coming here, leaving, you know, having to flee their countries. And so for some teachers, that's the, the biggest piece is to really understand on a, like on a heart level what that means. Other teachers are really excited about getting more specific techniques. So family engagement is one that's a big challenge. You know, when people arrive, they're often really overwhelmed. Uh, they're trying to learn how to do a job in this country, learn the language, figure out where to go shopping. I mean, I could keep going, right? And there's also, in many countries, an expectation that you just drop your kids off at the door of the school, and then the school takes care of it from there. And so it can be very frustrating for some teachers because they're trying to engage with families, and often it's difficult to make that connection. So that's another one. And then I think um, 
disruptive behavior is another one that is that has come up a lot as a pain point, I guess, where teachers are like, whoa, I just I don't quite understand where this is coming from. I, you know, I need more tools to deal with it. Can you give me an example of a tool you might give a teacher to help a student who is showing that disruptive behavior to not only better understand the why, but also to help the student through that? Yeah, so we sort of try to approach it from several different directions because honestly, like, we don't have all the answers either. It's a super difficult thing. So we both try to approach it from, okay, let's help you understand where some of this behavior might be coming from, like what, while the expectations might have been different in their previous school or in their culture. And then let's also talk about how you can calm yourself and take advantage of what we call mirror neurons. So if I were to take a drink of that water bottle, say, probably you would be tempted to like take a drink out of your water bottle because human beings have mirror neurons and we reflect back to each other, mm-hmm. our behaviors. So <clears throat> we, we talk about how to sort of take a second to calm yourself and that by remaining calm yourself, you can help that student become calm. And then we talk, and we talk about some of other ways to deal with disruptive behavior that might be a result of trauma. So sometimes if a child isn't answering you and they're just kind of blank, it's not necessarily resistance. It might be that they are, they've been triggered by something. So we give them some of those techniques as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like <laughs> Chantel said about learning from each other, we spend time in our workshops letting people in the room learn from each other because anytime you get a group of educators together, you have a wealth of knowledge and experience in that room. And so we give people a chance to, you know, to talk to each other in a structured way so that people can share ideas of what's working and what's not. And mm-hmm. here's what I tried and here's what happened. Those kinds of things. Those are always such useful times. Connect with your peers and hear about their, and even if it's just to get something off your chest, like I'm struggling with this or I found a success with this. It's really special that you offer that space. Yeah. I mean, some of it is also just validating, like this is really hard work you're doing. Like it is hard to be a teacher no matter what. And it is especially hard when you have, you know, newcomers in your classroom and we appreciate you. We're grateful for the work you're doing. It's important. And, you know, we're here to help you and support you any way we can. And it's also, you probably teach ways to highlight how to, to highlight the strengths of the, the students, the newcomers. Do you talk about that with them, like capitalizing on that creativity and that diversity and making the whole classroom stronger because of that diversity that exists? Yeah, so we talk about having what's called an assets-based mindset, which is kind of like a catchword from education. But... We talk about, you know, can you look for those talents that might not be as obvious? Like, does this child know how to draw or to do art? Does this child um, have, you know, how many languages does this child speak? So to give you some examples, like in one at the, in the workshop at Taft, one of the teachers said, yeah, you know, I've been having my students teach the rest of the class how to count to 10 in their language. And so every day we do a different language. Um, so that's a beautiful example of like, that child is bringing something to that class that the other students are benefiting from. So yeah, just thinking about like, what can you observe that maybe they do with their head, their hands or their heart? Mm. So are they especially kind? Are they especially good at soccer? What are those other talents that 
maybe aren't showing up on your reading assessment Mm -hmm. tool, but are a valuable part of that human being. Chantal, what are some meaningful things for you about leading this workshop? I would say for me, it's when I do get to tell my story um, and I see how uh, receptive like the teachers are. Yeah, when I do tell my story, it's always very moving and I always get a lot of great feedback. So it's nice to know that I'm able to, you know, share and educate. Yeah, yeah, just like you saw that Chantel has a fan club among high school mm-hmm. students. Anytime she presents, there's always like a little line of people waiting to speak to her after the workshop, people who want to connect on an individual level. I think it's really special that you put yourself out there and share your story in order to help other people better understand. Because it's not an easy thing to share a piece of yourself with strangers. And you also mentioned that you like to share your story in a setting where you can be face to face and see how it's being received and because it is a gift that you're sharing. So thank you for being vulnerable like that and helping. It really is helping Idaho as a whole because the more people can understand, the more we can do better. Even if everyone has the best intentions, if we don't understand, you know, what a kid's really going through, it can be hard to really be the best that we can be. So Thanks for doing that and helping teachers to do their jobs better and to have better understanding. And now even law enforcement officers, which I understand is also crucial, a whole different realm, a whole different industry. Very important too for that empathy and understanding to have the seeds planted there as well. So that's brave of you. No, it means a lot because, you know, looking back, it's like I wish, you know, teachers knew how to work with me when I was going through, you know, what I went through. So for me to be in that room and like educate them and let them know like, hey, this is what I experienced and this is what we can do better moving forward means a lot. Um, It means that no other kid, you know, gets to experience uh, what I experienced. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I'm always really grateful for Chantel being so brave to tell her story um, because it's, both moving for people. I mean, we we often get on the comments like, please bring Kleenex next time because people are crying. They're so moved by her story, um, which I think is cathartic <laughs> for the group. And then also people are really inspired. Like people will say on the evaluations as well, like this gives me so much hope for my current students, like seeing how incredibly successful Chantel has become and you know, that she she graduated from high school, she graduated from Boise State. This gives me hope for my current students that they can also um, go on to achieve great things. So I think it takes a, like a very brave heart to stand up and fr- tell your story in front of a group of people you don't know, but it's incredibly valuable. And also shout out to all the teachers. You guys are incredible. You guys do amazing work. And the reason I really do this workshop is not only to like educate, but also to be, you know, just grateful for the work that teachers do. They don't get enough credit for just, you know, everything. They are like hard workers and um, they are transforming lives every single day and they don't receive their flowers basically. And so it's important for me to also let them know that it was a teacher, multiple teachers who helped me and got me to where I am today. So 
shout out to you guys and thank you. <laughs> wow, that's so true. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. I know I think back on teachers in my life too, and it was like what first planted that seed of confidence that, oh, you can write or you can do this or you're valuable regardless of anything you can do. And that's life-changing. You're right. So I, I echo that. Thank you for saying that. You have your next training coming up for educators on Saturday, September 23rd. It's going to be a four-part series. Um, this first one's on a Saturday, I believe, but then the rest are on Tuesdays, it looks like. Yeah. And and teachers can actually earn a professional development credit for this. Or you, if you don't want to pay for that or you don't need the credit, you can also just sign up for free, which is an amazing resource. I understand that you're working with the Boise and West Ada school districts, so educators in those districts are able to get their credit paid for. But thank you for for this resource in our community, and what do you hope that it changes for Idaho in the bigger picture? So I guess I see it as, you know, it's spreading the understanding and the empathy around understanding our neighbors who have a refugee background. So that's kind of the the bigger picture. And then, you know, specifically, um, we want to give people more understanding of like, how do refugees arrive here? What are the specific struggles that people have gone through? And then we want to share, you know, specific techniques that teachers can use. So I'm hoping that at least, you know, they'll come away with one trauma-informed teaching technique that they can use and one new technique for working with multilingual learners and some new ideas for communicating with families. Um, And then just the sense that they're not alone. Like there are resources here locally. They can call on us. They can call on other teachers who they've met through the workshop. Um, And then there's a lot of resources nationally through the internet that they can, they can get. Um, And I guess like the, the overarching message is just the power of relationship like when it comes down to it, the biggest piece is establishing that relationship. Like no, I think there's a quote um, that says, no significant learning occurs without a significant relationship or something like that. But if people can take away that message, then I think we've done our job. What about you, Chantal? Um, it's like the same. Like as Sarah, basically, relationships are super important. And in order to bridge any gaps, I think... People need to feel heard. They need to feel safe. They need to feel welcomed. So I think for me, if you come to the workshop and you leave with, oh, okay, so a smile does, you know, make a difference or a hello or, you know, just like simple acts. If you walk away from that workshop saying, okay, this is how I'm going to approach it. To me, I feel like we made an impact, you know, because at the end of the day, it's just we want people to go out there and just be friendly and be human. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Be human. We're all trying to get through this together, right? Yeah. Well, thank you both for sharing and for what you do. I'm going to put links and contact information in the show notes. And as always, you can reach out to us at mosaics at idahorefugees.org if you have any follow-up questions or suggestions. And I also want to put one more thing on your radar before we go. September 23rd, this Saturday, is also uh, Boise's big welcoming week event. So Neighbors United, the YMCA, the local resettlement agencies, and our office, IOR, we're all going to get together at, at the municipal park in Boise from 4 to 7. It's free for families 
There's going to be food. There's going to be games. It's really kid-friendly. And Boise Bicycle Project's going to set up their safety course so kids and I think adults, too, can learn how to navigate traffic and the roads on their bicycle. So that's going to be really fun. And there's going to be a VRT bus there. You can learn about public transit. Lime Scooter is going to be there. It's going to be a big party and would love to see people there. If you're in the Twin Falls area, Haley, um, there's also the Community Unity Dinner there to celebrate Welcoming Week. So check that out on our website. Yeah, and I just want to piggyback on that. Part of what we, the way we designed the course was that um, educators will have 10 hours with us in class and then they have five hours on their own and welcome the welcome week event is one of the options that people can do as part of those five hours that's awesome so giving people a chance to get out in the community and engage with people with a refugee background where they work play eat dinner whatever so we have a whole list of things for people but that's one of the ones that um, we're highlighting as an opportunity for people to to get their additional hours. Oh, that's great. I love that. And if anyone else needs ideas on ways to interact or get involved, uh, check out our community calendar at idaho-refugees.org. All right. Thank you both. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining the conversation. For more information on how to be involved with refugee resettlement, please visit idaho-refugees.org. Mosaics is produced by the Idaho Office for Refugees with grant support from the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust. Music by the Afrosonics. Production in partnership with SB Studios.